This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This is Stag Stories, the show where we take a trip down memory lane and catch up with players and managers of old to get their take on their time with the Stags. There'll be no stone left unturned as we dive into the highs and lows of life as a Stag. In the hot seat this time, we've got a man who spent two seasons at the club and not so long ago worked under three different managers. In his playing days, he nearly made it a night to remember at West Brom in the Cup, gave an honest and frank interview as they came and very nearly became a promotion winner. It's a man held in high regards by our non-league neighbours Notts County, but by the time he hung up his boots not 12 months ago, he was a fan favourite with the Stags too. Joining us today, covering everything from promotion heartbreak to on-the-pitch hangovers, we're delighted to be joined by Neil Bishop on the show for the fans, by the fans. This is Stag Stories with Mansfield Matters. Welcome to the Mansfield Matters podcast, the show for the fans, by the fans. Why? Because Mansfield always matters. On this show, we like to bring you something a little bit different along the way as well. We've been teasing this for a couple of weeks. This is Stag Stories with none other than Neil Bishop. Neil, uh, a very good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for joining us. How are you keeping? Afternoon. Yeah, very well, thank you. Um, wouldn't have things to keep myself occupied as I'm furloughed at the minute, but yeah, all's well. Absolutely, and that's a great opportunity for us to, to be doing this. I'm joined always, as ever, virtually by Cam Felton and Nathan Edge as well. Cam, for once, we've actually got a player on who you, being 12 years old, will actually remember. Uh, you're for the old man, aren't you? No, um, yeah, it, it's fantastic to, to get Bishop. And um, I think that the, the ones that we've done in the past, it's been more your era. Like the older players. If you turn around and say um, 1980s, I will boot you off this call. Just be warned. 
Uh, it's all fun and games. But yeah, um, I think it's also one that a lot of fans will be interested in uh, being a, a more recent thing and, and what more fans would consider as um, more successful time in recent history. Whilst we've not particularly achieved much, it's still been... Uh, the, one of the best times to support the club. So I'm really going to be interested in what we have to hear over the next hour or so. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to have to admit, Nathan Edge, as well, that uh, in research for this show, I did watch back some of the old uh, old highlights from that particular season. It wasn't great watching at some point, especially that MK Dons game. That did bring a, a tear to the eye. So are you ready to be put through the heartbreak once again this afternoon on what was our last full season? Are you ready for it? It's, it's a tough one because it, it, there was heartbreak there, um, certainly when you reflect on that you know, that MK Dons game in particular, but I still remember it as a good season overall. So, you know, I think it's uh, mixed emotions with it, but certainly at the end it was heartbreak. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll be reliving that over the next hour or so. And then, of course, the, the following season, which was uh, an absolutely massive uh, hangover. Uh, first and foremost, though, before we dive into it, Bish, just give us a bit of an update on what you're doing now. Obviously, uh, retired from, from the game last season. The coronavirus sort of brought that forward a little bit as well and perhaps impacted uh, on that decision. Um, what are you up to at the moment, obviously, once uh, everything's back up and running? Um, I'm based down at Brooksby. Um, me and Jack Thomas are obviously down there um, with the elite development program. Uh, obviously, the, um, the the academy used to train there until the RH got up and running. So it's just us two down there. Um, first foray into coaching for myself, but you know I'm loving it. It was always in my mind to go into coaching. I got all my badges. I got finished my year license last summer, so it was good timing. Um, just to be frustrating, obviously, that it's been so stop-start, you know, it's something I'm passionate about, something I want to kick on and, and have a really good career in, but, you know, because of the circumstances, it's been it's been very stop-start and it's, it's been hard, not just for me, for everyone, but it's been hard to get my teeth into yet, but fingers crossed we're, we're coming to the end of this current situation and we can get back to some type of normal very soon. Yeah, absolutely. It's always great to see uh, ex-players getting involved in the setup as well because it always gives that little bit of something different, Nate, doesn't it? You know, we've, we've got players who, or ex-players who are coaching future players, potential future players. So that link with the club, it's always nice to have that there, isn't it? Yeah, we've had examples in the past, haven't we? Obviously, uh, you look at John Dempster, he uh, hung up his, his boots with us and then went into the, the academy and look at the, the wonders he, he managed to do with us in those early early years of, of building that up so um you know it's great to have somebody who's already been around the club he know you know they know what uh the club is about they know what the fans uh you know want to see for the future so to be able to um, take that experience of their playing career into into that side of the football is uh you know is good and just what you want to see from a fan's perspective you want to see somebody who's got a a bit of a you know an a relationship already there with the club and they want to take that further. Yeah, and you were talking to me earlier as well, Nathan, about um, uh, the decision to retire. So I know you had a few uh, questions around that, didn't you? Yeah, um, I was just wondering, Bish, so obviously with the whole retirement decision, uh, obviously you're in a sort of the uh, the group of players that I've had to sort of, well, not had to, but I was ended up retiring sort of early due to the pandemic. Did it feel like you never really got the send-off, you know, having to finish in a game that you didn't know was your last game? Yeah. Um, firstly, it was always it was always in my mind that it, that was going to be my last season. You know, I, I think I prepared. Like I said, I'd, I'd gone through the, the process of doing my badges, and um, it was always in my mind it was going to happen. When I, when I first joined, it was obviously discussed 
obviously because of my age, um, I wanted two options, but it was always discussed like that there would be um, a job, a job in at Mansfield coaching for me at the end of it. So it was sort of set. Um, obviously, circumstances and, and things changed how it was meant to end. Um, and I don't know. I don't know. I, look, I had, I had a great career um, from from playing. I was playing pub football, literally Sunday morning pub football in my early twenties. To 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 play, well, as high as a championship was something I never thought I'd do. So, you know, you balance that out and everything. And I'm I'm not bitter. It is what it is. You know, there's there's people far worse than me being affected. Um, we won. I know Northampton away. We actually won. So looking back, it was it was nice to finish off with a win. Um, but no, um, disappointed obviously that I never got to see the season out. If you want, to, you start something. You always want to finish it, or add it anywhere. But like I say, it is what it is. Um, I'm not bitter. Um, like yourself, from from where I've come from, I didn't think I'd have anywhere near the career I've had. So just just very grateful, really. Let's take you back to the start of your Stags journey, then, Bish. Obviously, uh, you know you had a established career, the likes of Blackpool, Notts County. You've been at Scunthorpe as well. It was a toss-up, wasn't it, between life at the One Course Stadium as a stag or life at Sinsel Bank as an imp? Am I right in thinking that? Yeah, they were they were the two it comes down to. I mean, I had a, a couple of different offers, but. You know, at that time of my life, I wasn't, I wasn't going to uproot again and move across the country. Um, so it come down to them too. Um, and like I said, I plumped for, I plumped for Mansfield. Um, obviously, looking at where Lincoln have gone, and, and that season is what it is. But I don't, I don't regret my decision. You know, not at all. Um, I spoke to obviously Danny Cowley. Very impressed. Very impressed with him, to be honest. He's he come across really well. I still speak to him now. He's, um. Still keeping contact with him, um, but I, look, I plumped, plumped for Mansfield for obviously I was and the relationship with the chairman, um, and like I said, that maybe the the promise of obviously because I knew I was coming the latter years of my career, the um, the sort of not promise, but it was it was there, you know, to to start my coaching path at Mansfield was was probably the thing that swung it. Yeah, David Flickcroft was the, the Stags manager at the time. He'd taken over towards the back end of the previous season from Steve Evans. There was a big sort of turnover in players in, in that summer as well, uh, with Steve Evans being a little bit cheeky and, and stealing one or two faces uh, as well. How did David Flickcroft uh, sell Mansfield Town to you and the, the vision uh, in which he had? Because he had enormous pressure on his, his shoulders you know we were in a great position this the season before when he came in we didn't particularly pick up too many wins we, we were draw specialists for a little bit how did he sell the vision to you that Mansfield Town were gonna you know try and, and push for promotion that season yeah well obviously knowing the chairman I, I'd seen how I'd, I'd kept an eye out for results because I'd seen how it finished the previous season obviously very disappointing um, but when he rang me, he was he was he was very enthusiastic. I remember the, the first time he rang, I was I was on holiday. I think I was in Greece, and he, I couldn't get him off the phone. He was he was, he was on the phone for nearly two hours. But he, he knew exactly how he wanted to use me. He, uh, he, he named three four lads he wanted to get in. Um, he obviously knew a lot about my career. He, I think him and Hilly had tried to sign me at some previous point in time at Barnsley. I think it was. Um, and like I said, I was just really impressed with him. His, his energy, his passion, what he wanted to do, the ideas he already had um, for, for that, because uh, it was just at the back end of the season, you know, before pre-season, um, how he wanted to use me. And I, I was really impressed. I, I love the enthusiasm. And it was something that appealed to me. You know, that stage of my career, I wanted, I didn't want to be a part of a project that was going to take three, four, five seasons because I didn't have that time. I, I wanted to go straight in and, and achieve something um, and obviously the aim was promotion as it's been for the last two or three seasons and you know I bought into that completely and you know I couldn't wait to, to get going 
I know Cam's itching to find out how many times Flickcroft used in that phone conversation the word galvanised. <laughs> it was his buzzword, wasn't it, Cam? Yeah, he, he had um, galvanised, solidified. There was... Yeah, thank you for getting the bell. There you go. Yeah, there were just little words that you'd always pick out that he'd use regularly. And um, and you could very much tell when he first came in uh, the, the passion and the and the desire that he had for the club and to, and to really take it places. So to hear from a uh, from a former player that he has that same energy and passion with the players is, is, is testament to, to what he wanted to do to the club, but testament to yourself and other players that, that really bought into that and gave us fans a, a fantastic season of, of highs and lows and, and, and drama along the way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's delve straight into that because the drama did start pretty much straight away, Bish. Pre-season friendly, Sheffield Wednesday at home. What do you remember about that? Christian Pierce? I've just got this image of him being like bear hug, manhandled, dragged off the pitch by David Flickcroft. What was it? Were you playing in that game? Were you on the pitch at the time? Yeah, I was, yeah. Yeah. Um, like I said, I don't remember much about the game, to be honest. I just remember the terror at the end. Um, I mean, it was a shocking tackle and then obviously there was a bit of bit of verbals that went beyond the normal verbals and then obviously it, it all kicked off. Um, look, you, you might think I'm mad for saying this, but for a team and a, and a squad building spirit, I, I don't think that's the worst thing that could have happened because um, you, you obviously see your skipper in a situation like that. The lads went in and backed him up. Um, it, when it did go too far there was drop kicks and all sorts Mellis kicked the shit out of somewhere on the side I don't know and it all went off but like I say you went back in the dressing room and and I don't think Flick knew what to say really he was sort of he was half delighted with the boys that they went in and backed each other up and half thinking God I might I might lose half my squad for the start of the season here if the, if the footage comes out so I think there might have been um, I think there was some editing that happened um, by the uh, the analysis guy, the delete button might have been used just to just to cover, just in case the FA come looking for any evidence. But it was what it was, and like I say, the, the lads really backed themselves and and backed each other up. Um, like I say, it, it's not something you want to see, but as far as as team building goes, it, it, it certainly helped in my eyes. Anyway, it certainly helped. Yeah, absolutely. We were saying at the time, weren't we, Nathan, about it? You know that it, obviously the content of of what was allegedly said it wasn't a fantastic thing. That there's no room for that at all, but. The unity that it gave, bringing all the players together, Nath, that that was something which we sort of saw transform into results as that early part of the season went on. Yeah, I mean, like, like we said, there was obviously there's no place in football for for what you know allegedly happened, but uh, you know the reaction to. It. I don't think I'll ever remember a friendly attending a friendly as much as I will that one. That's for sure. But um, yeah, it's just uh, it, it's certainly as as Bish pointed out there. I think. As far as as team bonding goes, to see everybody to a man, you know, uh, go in there and and back up the captain, uh, you know, you, you can't you can't get that in you can't get that in Portugal or Malta. You can't get that uh, in the in the Peak District or Lake District. That's that's something that's um, you know natural to the players to go in there and to, to back each other up. So, um, you know, as, as daft as it sounds, a, a good old punch up bike that was was perfect for for team bonding and getting us. You know, ready for the season in in a in a crazy way. Did you feel that that was a, a big part of it, Bish, going into those first couple of games? Because we started the season absolutely flying. I think three or four games in, absolutely smashed Accrington in in the cup, six one, best football that we've seen in years. Was that something which you guys, as a dressing room, felt was uh, was key to sort of bringing you all together? 
Yeah, I mean, it was it was one of, it was one of many reasons. I think obviously pre-season was good. I mean, it was intense. It was tough. But you you can imagine the manager that's the way it was. But I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I went into the season feeling as good as I've ever did. And at my age, that was something. I think thirty-eight. But that was a big part of it. Like you say, it is good. You know, when you're on the pitch. Like you say, you've only been together four or five weeks, but then when you see people flying in, you've got your back, you think, yeah, we might we might just be onto somebody here. Um, and like you say, once you're in the showers and you're having a laugh about it, 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 it does, it just, it, you never planned something like that, but it, it's just a way of bringing people together and the squad together um, instantly, really. Of all the dressing rooms that you've been a part of, did you ever feel that connection so early in the season or, or do you tend to find that it's something which does take time to grow? It usually does, yeah. I mean, the, I mean, the core group was already there. Um, obviously, from playing down the years, and you, a few of them, um, had battles with a few of them. Um, but like I say, when you go in a dressing room, that's that's forgotten about your teammates, your squad. We went up to Portugal. We had a great trip over there. Again, really, really tough work. And then we had a night out at the end. And like I say, it just—I don't know what it is. It's personalities. It's 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 a way of thinking. It's the way the manager does it. But we we, we did come we did come together really quickly. That group. Dare we ask about any stories from those nights out? Um, I think there was only one, not one night out at the end. It, it, it was, I mean, I can't remember, so I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I had a wheelchair and I was exhausted. I was sunstroke and by about four or five pints in, I was, I was gone. But no, it was a great trip. Um, and like you say, it wasn't wasn't one of these jolly ones where you have four, you have seven days and four of them are nights out. It was one night out at the end, three sessions a day. Some four even, if you include gym sessions. It was fantastic. And like you say, with a with group, and, and especially the way the, the previous season that ended so disappointingly, it's good to get the lads together 24-7 and, and we're really, really connected. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, when like we say, we started off flying. We had a, a bit of a decent uh, cup run as well. West Brom away, Neil Bishop about 35 yards out, absolute screamer in front of the Stags fans. What do you remember about that night? Um, I remember it very well, actually. It was... I mean, we played we played unbelievably that night. To go there, and I think after 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 that goal, we we could have we should have went on and win it. Um, we played really good football. I remember Bobby coming up and probably should have scored. I think he had Pearcey or something something ridiculous had happened, which would have took it in the penalty. It was just a great night. I mean, we probably you know the extra time probably wasn't wasn't ideal, but yeah, that night was fantastic. You know, you I didn't think I was play, I didn't think I'd be playing because obviously playing the Saturday. I thought I'd be rested, um, so I, I had a bottle of wine, or, or maybe even two on a Saturday night, because I think you know he'll give me the night off. And all of a sudden, I was starting. I was thinking, oh my god! But yeah, we all, we, I mean, fantastic night, and the, the 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 performance we put in probably deserved a little bit more. Um, like I said, the goal it was just one of them things. It, it come out, and why not? I had a shot. Luckily enough for me, it went in. Um, but yeah, great night, and probably probably deserved at least to get the penalties that night. Were you sat with me that night, Cam? Yeah, I was. Yeah, well, the, <laughs> the roar from and the energy that's you know we'd felt it a little bit the season before because we were on a bit of a hype. Whenever Steve Evans is involved, you know there's always a bit of extra hype in there. But obviously, because it had dwindled towards the end, it had sort of died a little bit. It sort of helped bring it back, didn't it? That night was absolutely electric in the way, and I love midweek games that are like that. Yeah, it is. But when you when you go to a a relatively big team like that. I think West Brom had not been long out of the Premier League. They were pushing again. Um, I think they ended up missing out in the playoffs that season as well. Um, I think Villa beat them in the playoffs, but so they were on a real hype. And I think who was on who was on loan from us? Was it 
I can't remember who defender Carl Alkins. Yeah, we had, yeah he yeah, came yeah. on didn't he as a sub? Yeah, we had him a couple of years before, didn't we? I remember that. Yeah, and we, we just remember like, oh for God's sake, here we go. We're not we're not going to score, but because he, he he were a decent defender, but it, it just that goal from Ubish just just set the game apart. I think that um, it gave the fans that extra bit of buzz. And I th- I'll say, me and Craig were sat together. We were sat about about halfway down the down the. We seat had a great view. It was good view. Yeah, noise was absolutely electric and. It just shows what uh, the cup's about going to these big teams on a on a Tuesday night and and trying to get a win. And it didn't matter that we didn't win because a lot of fans will just remember that night as the goal. But then the atmosphere it was absolutely unbelievable. One of the best away days that that Stags fans will remember in, in recent times. And it just gave us that bit of a, an extra bounce uh, going into the rest of the season. What do we do? We lost one game in. Uh, between then and January, January. yeah, it, it really set us up in good stead and got the team really, really bonded and really going. Oh, I miss I miss going to games of football. It's mad. How do you think you'd have coped, Bish, playing in front of no fans in this new COVID way of uh, of having to play, having to get changed sometimes? You know, we in uh, in in bars and uh, in concourses. How do you think you'd have coped in in this new COVID way? Um, well, from that part of it. I don't. I don't think I mind. I've got changed in worse places, you know, car parks when I was playing. Then for the Rosie Social Club. So from that, from that respect, I think I'd have been fine. But just to know fans, you know, I watch games now. Obviously, I've got the the, the eye blade for the Mansfield. I just I, I find them a hard watch at times. I'm not going to lie. I, I think the tempo. I think it's massive. It, it's been affected so much. You know, the I'd love to see the stats. Well, I do see them from time to time. But you know, the naked eye, the the, the intensity, the the tempo games, it's it, it is it is being affected. You know, they are like training games. Some of them, the majority of them that I see, and I think that's not just League Two. I think you go up to some Premier League games, and and the difference is massive. And I think, you know, certainly certainly fans will never be um, will never be what's the word I'm looking for. They won't be uh, taken for granted again after this after this situation for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of of training, you mentioned sort of training games and stuff there. Uh, let's talk training ground instance because Mansfield season did start to hit the first bit of the iceberg on the training ground when Bobby Olesnik uh, was injured. What do you remember particularly about that day because as fans, he was, you know, getting starts regularly, he was in really good form. We were absolutely devastated. Yeah, it was just I, I remember we won the 4G I'm training on the 4G, and he just come out, uh, claimed an innocuous cross, felt something in his knee, but then I think I think he even trained on, and then he's gone up, and something's happened, and he, he didn't think he was that bad. But I think that's the thing with the ACL. I think the nerve damage and that, and you don't feel it until you until you actually, well, you don't feel it until you go for your scan, and, and that's exactly what happened. He thought it'd be fine, um, went for his, but obviously the physio had a look at it, obviously experience with these things before, then he's. He went for his scan and then the news it. Um, which, like you say, it was obviously a massive blow because he was he was he was coming in. He was he was starting off attacks from the back. He was commanding his area. He was he was he was. I was with him at Scunthorpe and, and he was. Um, and to see him at Mansfield, he, he progressed so much. 
Yeah, he was a, a really decent keeper for us and sadly was never quite the same after he after he came back. I remember speaking to him sort of uh, privately about it and sort of uh, he was saying, you know, it's, it's a really tough place to be uh, when you're injured and especially when you're sort of missing out on all the, the stuff which is happening on the pitch because we still went on a relatively decent run post that. We had about another month or so before it started to wane um, a little bit. So that must be uh, really frustrating. Have you ever had long-term injuries, Bish, or do you, have you, were you luckily quite consistent in your career to stay injury-free? Yeah, very lucky. Uh, the only thing I had was a couple of hernia operations, which nowadays are uh, three, four weeks. Um, so, like I say, I was, I was, I was very, very fortunate. Um, I didn't have any, any major problems during my career. Yeah, and obviously, you know, we lost Bobby Olesnik that season. Then we go and lose Hayden White in uh, uh, in January. Colchester away breaks his leg uh, in the in the last minute of the game. We won three two that day, but obviously, uh, the result very much marred by that. Again, was that a, a bigger blow as as Bobby's blow? Because again, he was quite integral to the way we played. Um, I think bigger. If I'm going to be honest, I think that's you know you're looking at turning points and and what went on. And became after that. I just think I think that was massive, you know, for, for, for him. I can't believe he was playing in League Two. Has not really come across him, but his athleticism, his drive, his energy, his, his fitness. Um, I mean, he was like a right winger, right back, right wing back. All three classed into one. Um, he, he was a massive player for us. To the way we played and the way we were set up, he was he, he was a massive part of it. And I don't think he was ever replaced. And me personally, when I when I when I sit and, and think back. Um, I think obviously there's contributing factors, but that that was a massive, massive, a massive, massive um, had a had a massive effect on us. Yeah, and then we lose another one, albeit a little bit of a lesser time frame this time. Newport away, Danny Rose goes up for a header, and the next thing his face is just covered in absolute blood. Yeah, again, that was I think that was a freak one. You know, I don't think there was anything. I think there was worse things going in that Newport game. I remember tackle. Um, by Ladderby, nearly broke Tyler Walker's leg. If you if you'd have been standing, um, but Danny Rose's would just seem to be a freak one. But that that, that that was a scary one. You know, when you you turn around, he's, he's choking on his own blood, and then you see the amount of blood that's actually on the pitch. Yeah, it was. It just seemed to be a sequence. And we were we were losing one or two, and it was a. You can't really pinpoint the blame on anyone for that one, but yeah, it was it was certainly certainly shocking to see. Yeah, and obviously we we're getting towards the end of that season, and then it's the bit I've been putting off. You know, we were in great contention for promotion from a player's perspective. What happened? Um, I'd love to, I'd love to be able to give you a, a, an answer from my point of view. Obviously, I think away from home we we we, we become a bit of a soft touch at times. I think obviously going to Newport, Nuts County, Port Vale, you know, we, we lost them games, even Oldham towards the end of the season. We we were disappointing. You know, there's no getting away from it. Um we didn't we didn't perform in them games uh, for one reason or another. I mean we're still doing fairly well at home. Uh, but I remember getting beat off crew as well though. Um and it, like I say from a, a majority of reasons, I think like you say the Bobby, the Hayden, it affected the whole back three, back five, however you want to talk about it. Um I think a bit of fatigue had set in. Um, I think maybe the signings in January, which looked fantastic on paper, maybe disrupted the the balance of the team. I think with Timmy going back, you know, although you wouldn't say, oh, he's a he's a, he's a star performer. I think obviously him in there with me, his left foot, right foot. We had Mellis in the ten. It was it was a good balance, really good balance. Nathan uh, Nathan's drooling at that. Well, I'm laughing because um, <laughs> he's, he's a big favourite of yours, isn't he, Craig? So uh... yeah, I loved him. Yeah, I should never got rid of him. 
Yeah. Absolutely smashing it. It was like Slovenian Premier League or something into now, top flight football. Yeah, I thought I thought he was really good. And like I say, he was one of them. Maybe he didn't get the credit at the time because you don't see the amount of work he gets through. Um, like he's not an eye-catcher. Probably the same as myself. But not, not eye-catching players, but you know, players appreciate what they do, especially when I'm playing in there with him. Um, scored a couple of decent goals. Um, and then you look at maybe, I, will go, I don't know, Nicky or Josie probably didn't work. Um, George Grant, you look and think, fantastic signing. But then you, you come in and then you move Mellis and it, it, it just affected the balance, I, I think. Um, Smith, smudging goal, again, it was it was one year, I think, yeah, he'll do really well, but it didn't really happen. And look, ultimately, it comes down to players and I will say this, we, we, we still had enough from the position we were in. We should have got over the line that season. I'll, I'll, I'll say that now. Um, there's no blaming the managers and blaming this and blaming that. You look for reasons but you don't want to make excuses. Uh, and I'm certainly not. Look, we, we had enough. We had enough points in the bag. Even if we'd have just drew a couple of them away games, you know, just gone there and, and got together and got tight. And, one and point. Just, all we needed. Yeah, just just one point all we needed in the end. Well, that's it. I think, I think we'd lost that we'd lost that um, ability to when we weren't playing well to dig out to dig out results. You know, that that's that's what champions do. That's what teams are getting more to do when they're not playing well. They just... Right, we're just going to dig in here, and I don't think we had enough of them, not them type of characters, but maybe type of players who didn't who didn't do that. And we, and it was disappointing. There's no getting away from it. It's disappointing. We should have got promoted that season, um, and ultimately it cost the manager his job. Yeah, and just uh, coming to you for a second, Nath. Obviously, Bish mentioned there about the January transfer window. It's something we spent hours and hours and hours on the podcast talking about, isn't it? And it's 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 quite refreshing to hear actually as well that the players that were in that group sort of are on the same wavelength in terms of agreeing that the January transfer window, whilst they look good on paper, you know, you George Grant, you Nicky, you Jose's, etc., it just didn't fit with the way we wanted to play. Yeah, this is quite interesting, actually, because uh, obviously we're, we're just fans. We, we come on here week in, week out, and, and put, our, put our point of views forward of what we think went wrong or what could have been different, you know, as, as fans do. Um, but obviously we're not in amongst it you know the players and the managers and the staff are going to have a different perspective but you know it sounds like we are in a bit of a agreement there that we do we did all feel like the you know the january recruitment didn't work out um you know to probably you know to how it was intended uh, we put a bit a bit down to the uh, you know we put a bit of blame on the the, the new uh, director that came in who was in charge the footballing director was it greg abbott who came in greg abbott yes yeah. so we put a bit of blame on him as a, a scapegoat i suppose there but um it did seem to affect the affect the squad, unfortunately. Um, so you know, and it's probably it is refreshing that we were along the right lines, and the fact that it did seem like that from the, the players' perspective. But I do wonder as well, Bish. Do you think? Uh, did did you ever certainly towards the end game? Did you feel pressure? Was that was that a factor, or did that not seem like it was there in the camp as much? Yeah, I, th- I think it did. You know, you certainly felt it. Um, I'm just going from, from what I remember really I just I think we maybe ran out of legs a bit as well to be honest you know that pressing and that intensity which, which the hallmarks like I say early on in the season some of the best best football I've been part of you know pre-Christmas we, we were taking teams apart football and wise energy wise you know you get your stats back I was running I was running, doing over 12 kilometres a game nearly 30 kilometres at 38 I, I thought it was crazy I couldn't believe how, how good we were and, and everyone was up them levels you know I think it's a testament the pre-season we had um, 
you know, I was out there every day training. I've, I've, I've barely, rarely felt better. But then I, I think we helped, helped hit a bit of a wall. I think maybe mentally as well, you know, you're not getting the results. You can mentally talk yourself into being tired. Um, and we just we just didn't seem to have it. You know, that energy, that, that football had dried up. We were looking for different ways to win games and, or get results. I remember going to Northampton and it was, it, I think we took the lead there and it was, we played me, Willem and, and, and Marcus midfield and what was it one all, two all, we got a point. And I remember that being changed, but I, I didn't think that was a bad result, you know, because if we had just dug in, I mean, it was a horrible game and we didn't play well, but we weren't playing well at the time. Um, and I thought if we could have, you know, dug out a few more results like that, it might have seen us over the line. But as a group, for whatever reason, we just didn't, certainly away from home. I think that's what cost us in the end. Now, there's been lots of great developments at the club over the last couple of years or so, none more so than the RH Academy. But at the time, um, when we really needed a solid training base, it probably wasn't quite ready for where David Flickcroft wanted it uh, to be. How much of an impact did that play? Because there was a lot made, especially towards the end of the season, whether it was a blame culture or, or whatever, we don't know. But there was a lot made of, you know, shelling money out to go to places like St George's and other training venues uh, to train when we've got our own training ground. What was your take on that situation? Does that hinder you a little bit? Because obviously it affects like, you know, your travel time from home, um, the time that you can be on the pitch, the actual training time you've got. Does that play an impact? Well, the, the grass pitches weren't ready. I mean, I don't I don't really understand why we moved up there when we did. Um, again, this is not excuses. These are just facts of what, what it was happening at the time. When we moved up there, we could only get on the 4G, um, which I believe, obviously, you train on when your pitches are underwater, when it's frozen. For me, you don't train on it. It's certainly, at my age, it, it didn't do me any favours, pounding away on the 4G, day in, day out. Um, so I didn't enjoy it. Obviously, you see the young players, the ball players like George Grant and that, they look, they look world beaters on a surface like that. But, you know, I didn't. I, I understand. I mean, you look at it now, it's a fantastic facility, really good and, Far too good for League One, and hopefully it'll, it'll see the club going up for the division in the future. But at the time, I, di- I didn't really understand the rush. Um, the pitches, the grass pitches, just weren't ready. They weren't ready, so we had a, it wasn't a great pitch, um, the one behind the stadium, but it was adequate. Um, so again, personally, I, I didn't really understand the, the need to, to rush and to, and to change. Um, I don't believe. Well, I'm certainly not going to believe. I'm certainly not going to use that as a, uh, an excuse, but it was just just personally I found it a bit strange um, that why we moved down there. Um, St George's obviously great facility. We use it on numerous occasions, and Loughborough University we used it a few times. Um, again, it wasn't great, especially when you live in as far away as what as what I did. It was an extra maybe hour forty five minutes in the car at that stage of the season. You know, you just want to be in train and get done. You're not getting any fitter. You're just ticking over at that point, but. Look, the manager will have had his reasons for doing that, and you know, he, he, like I say, managers live and die by them decisions. Yeah. So you just you just said there about um, obviously training on the four G. Do you think that that that, that de- definitely hindered you because training on four G to actually playing on pitch is obviously a lot different. Do you think that um, actually training on four G and then playing on the grass um, helps sap the energy levels a lot more? Because obviously it's a lot heavier a grass pitch. Um, Obviously, uh, a 4G pitch is absolutely flat. It's flat as a pancake, whereas compared to a, a, a grass pitch, especially in League Two, they're not flat. They umps and bumps here, there, and everywhere. Do you think that that um, took the energy out of the team towards the end of the season when you needed the energy the most? Um, and, I, mean, I mean, sometimes we did have to train on it because obviously, going to January, February, the, it was frozen. Um, I remember it was quite the, the 
rainfall. It, they are good to have as a backup. Um, but at, at one stage, for about four or five weeks, that was our main train. We were out there day in, day out. And like I said, I don't enjoy it because you can say what you want. They're not the same as grass pitches like you, like you just referred to. They're hard, they're solid. There's not a lot of giving them. Um, and certainly certainly someone at my age, I, I, I found that I was getting more problems, back with spasming, joints. It just, it just, you know, however bad your grass pitches are, you play football on a Saturday on a grass pitch. So you, you want to replicate that during the week. And especially for me, it's more forgiving, um, like I say, for joints, for, for your movements. I didn't really, I don't really enjoy training on 4G. I'd, I'd avoid it at all costs, to be honest, if I could. But again, that, that's just my personal opinion. Of course, uh, we ended up, you know, like you say, training on those pitches, then going to play at places like Newport and stuff, which... Never great. Newport's, you might as well just go and play on Skeggy Beach to, to play Newport, to be fair. Even even first game of the season, it's, it's never a nice place to go. Um, obviously, then we get to the last uh, couple of games of the season, and that's where it really did fall apart. Let's start with um, uh, the missed chance uh, to go up. Obviously, we had uh, a home game with Stevenage. You know, they were struggling um, that season. I think they ended up going down, but got reprieved because of Maxwell. That might have been the season after. That was season after. Uh, but they were still struggling. Um, I get confused. Nath, it's my age, um, and uh, we ended up losing two one. It was one all. They scored in the ninety second minute. How much of a blow was that? Because you must have known going into that game that you know a couple more points, maybe one more win, that might have seen you through. It's one all in the last minute. Had that you know, had you got a point out of that game, you might well you might well have been a, a League One club. How much of a blow did 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 that did that uh, bring? Yeah, it was massive. And- if I remember correctly, I think if we'd have won that game, we'd have been all run up um, on goal difference or whatever was would have seen us up. Um, I remember equalised late on. Uh, it was blowing a gale. The wind was blowing straight down the pitch. I think Logie's just sent one down the middle of the pitch. It's cleared the back four and then all of a sudden Tyler's in and goal, the keepers come in. And at that point, obviously, the, the crowd's massive. Everyone's up for it. The raw. Again, you just remember it. You're thinking, right, we're on here. We'll kick on, you know. Talk about fatigue and something like that happens. It just goes out your mind, you know. All of a sudden, you're in, you're in the moments, um, and you think you, I don't know, 10, 10, 50, whatever was left. You think you're going to go on and, and win it there. Um, like I say, I think you could tell by the atmosphere in the ground. Results were going for us that day, and then I, I, the lad scored a great goal. I remember it, but you know that it, it was a sucker punch. You know, it, it was. I remember it clearly. You know, the, the noise, the energy just drained out the stadium. Seemed to drain out the team, you know. Final whistle went, and it was it was just silent. The the, the stadium emptied. Last home game, you know, you, you usually go around and have a clap and and whatever, but the stadium just emptied so quickly. And like I said, it, it was dispiriting. You know, obviously from from myself, obviously noticed it's an experienced player. I went straight to the dressing room and, and said, lads, look, we we I've got time, you know, because you do notice the younger lads. Everyone's got their heads down. You go in, and everyone's sat on the benches, and it's it's definitely quiet. So being one of the experienced older, well, I was the oldest player there. I'm going like, come on, lads, it, it is what it is. You know, I, I was distraught, but I thought, look, get in there, we'll pick them up, we'll get out of your system, and, and like you see, we're, we're going to hold them on the bank all day. We, we'll, we'll still do this, you know. It's in our hands, you know. Come on, come on, let's go. Unfortunately, it wasn't to be, but yeah, the memories of that day really, and my family there, it was, it was, it was really hard to take. Actually, it was, it was a kick in the teeth. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned the Oldham game uh, there as well. You know, shortly after that, you have to turn yourselves around and, and go again. Oldham on telly, really tough, uh, tough game. We never tend to, to do well there. Um, but again, you score in that game, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, got got one back. I think 
Uh, our second goal, yeah, yeah, our second goal. Yeah, and then obviously uh, it, it's a really you know end to end game to and fro, and then the last minute. Danny Rose has come back from from his injury. He's not scored in what feels like an eternity. He's in front of the Stags fans. He's a much-loved figure after all the stuff in the summer. Ball goes into the back of the net. Everybody's up celebrating, and then a linesman puts his flag up. Yeah, I mean, I look back when I look back. When I, look back I still think he was level, but again, it is what it is. And again, you know, you've got to be honest. And the performance wasn't good enough that day. What to, to go to Oldham to concede three, to concede two, Stephen is a game before. Um, in my opinion, we, we we maybe could have set up a bit more conservatively because um, all the talk was we need to win, we need to win before the game. We've got to go there and win. Got to go there and win. And maybe that was a, the, the at the stage I maybe disagreed with a little bit because I thought if we go there and we're solid and we set up right. You know, the, the longer the game goes on, we'll grow in confidence because confidence at that point wasn't great. We, we might have been able to nick some of it, but look, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, it, what it is, but it was another again disappointing, and, and obviously we're going back on the coach after that game, knowing it's going down the wire. But even though it was still in our hands, yeah, it was in our hands as well. The situation was all Mansfield needed on the final game of the season against MK Dons was just a draw. A draw would have taken Mansfield up in third, ahead of MK Dons on uh, on goal difference, I think. Um, MK Dons needed a win. Two minutes into the game, free header from a corner, and again, all the energy from the away end absolutely dies, and it, it's almost seemed like game over from that point. Yeah, um, again, it, it's it's hard to say, but we, again, we, did, we didn't turn up. I don't remember a real chance. We had that game. Um, like I said, two minutes in, you're thinking, you go there, all the pressure's on them, really. Um, you're going at half-time level, the game will open up, and obviously with the lads, we, we've got your, your pace of CJ, Rosie, Tyler. You know, you, you'd have backed yourselves to at least to at least score down there. Um, and the fact we didn't was, was heartbreaking, really. I don't know if all the... You know, from, like I say, everyone was looking back off. We'd have just beat Oldham if we'd have just beat Steve, and it would be there by now. And maybe, maybe them it, it affected the group because it certainly wasn't. It certainly wasn't the team it was for the majority of the season. You know, there's no getting away from that. And the performance. I mean, there's ways to get beat. There is ways to go there and give it a lot and have a chance, have a fire and tackle. It, it didn't seem to be in us. We we looked we looked tired. We looked drained. Um, even though the build-up had been fine, it just we got out on the pitch, and I think, like you said, that it was like popping a balloon. That that second-minute goal, it just seemed to, to take everything we had for whatever reason. Um, we didn't respond. I think obviously the last 10, 15 minutes gets a bit hectic, but apart from that, and, and you know, I think they were more comfortable winners than they probably thought they would have been that day. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, in the build-up to that game, you know, it's interesting you mentioned those, those last sort of three, four, five games, the, the confidence within the dressing room sort of dwindling a little bit. When you're going into that game, what was the manager's mentality going into that? Because his remit was to, to get promotion. Um, we only needed a point. Yes, we'd had a couple of opportunities where we missed. Did he go into that game uh, setting up to go all out to try and steal that automatic promotion? Or do you think in the back of the head he was thinking, I need to be cautious here and set up for a potential playoffs? Well, it's funny actually, because at the start of the week, we were getting the team shape out and we were... We were we were working on a low block, which is basically a more defensive, a more defensive shape, um, and that wasn't really us because even in training we were, we were we were terrible at it. You know, you, you set up your eleven, it was going to be playing, and then the opposition come up against you, um, and we were miles off it. And like I said, I don't know if there was confused thinking, if there was 
you know, heads were all over the place by then. It wasn't right. And we, by the middle of the week, we scrapped it and we were just going to go there and try and play our normal game and try and get the results, um, which basically going there and winning, uh, but by being solid. Do you think you wasted probably a couple of days on that then? I could, I'm, I'm not really sure. I could see the thinking behind it because what we've been doing for the three, four, five games before that hadn't been working or it, you know, certainly hadn't been working as effectively as what it did in the season. So, Maybe, but like you say, trial and error, you look at it and even on the training ground, even being out there, it just didn't feel right. Um, and obviously, so it was scrapped straight away. Like I say, we were just going to go there, low block, um, and just pro- probably just go for the point. Um, but then obviously we changed. Every, lads, actually, you could, you know, the lads talking to each other on the training ground, they think this isn't working, you know, this isn't us. We have to go there, we'll go there, talk, talk with them, even though we were out of form as a group. Excuse me. And then, um, but ultimately, we didn't do anything that day. You, you know, you, uh, uh, you know. You, usually, when you watch a game, you can sort of see a game plan and, and see how teams are trying to do it. I, I just think we were, as a group, we were, we were rabbit caught headlights that day. We were, we, were, we were miles off it, if I'm perfectly honest. Full time whistle comes. Obviously, you can hear all the celebrations from from MK Dons, uh, all the fans on the pitch, and that sort of thing. As a dressing room, you know, you've had promotions in your career. You've had playoff campaigns. You were the older statesman in the dressing room, as you say. How difficult was it to go in and, and to try and lift the players? Because the reality was, you had to pick yourselves up and go again. Because whilst you'd left, you know, you'd missed out on automatic promotion, you still had a, ch- a shot through the playoffs. Or, or do you feel when you walked into that dressing room that that was it? It was automatic or nothing? Because I think we felt like that as fans. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to be perfectly honest. I think that's the lowest I've ever felt after a game of football in my whole career. Uh, like I said, they all come running on the pitch. We had five, over 5,000 there. All my family were there. Um, personally, I just I just collapsed at the final whistle, just sat, just sat just wherever I was on the pitch, can't really remember. And it was just, I, I can't even remember how I got off the pitch, to be honest. Um, it was just, it was devastating, whether it was a case of just, just wanting something too much. Um, I tell you what, you're going to have to give me two seconds because we've, it just flashed up. I've got a little battery. Yeah, no, no worries. <laughs> Give me two seconds. Whilst Bish goes off and gets uh, his, his charger, Nath, uh, let's uh, you know just touch upon that MK Don's game uh, a little bit. Um, you know, heartbreak. But for us, it did feel like it, it was the olden game. But it's interesting hearing what he says there. You know, and it's true what they say. You know, when you you get into the playoffs on the final day of the season, you're the form team. When you drop into them, mm. you you lose absolutely everything. It's no surprise looking back, is it, that we we were so poor and 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 we we threw it away in the way we did. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, we, we were saying it at the time, um, the whole coming to the playoffs after losing the last day. Uh, as much as we wanted to be optimistic, we knew that sometimes when it comes to the playoffs, it's the form team that does well, and unfortunately. We were that team that have dropped out, but not just dropped out. We dropped out on the last day, and to pick yourselves up from that is never going to be easy. Um, but you, you, you also think back to the the lead up to that. Like I say, I think for us, although obviously MK Dons was gut gut wrenching, so was Oldham, so was Stevenage. You know, a lot of those were missed opportunities. Um, but in some ways, we've heard you can't really pin it down to one thing, and. There was a collection of things that uh, that unfortunately happened. You've got the training aspect, you've got recruitment, you've got you've got injuries. There's 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 three big things there that are quite key to preparation. And when you're considering this is all at the end of the season when stakes are so high, 
um, you know, that there are reasons why it, it didn't pan out. It just wasn't our year in the end. Yeah, then we go into the, the playoffs, Cam. Obviously Newport away, who else would it be? Um, the Newport away game, though, to be fair, for maybe... 70 minutes or so of the game we were back to Mansfield Town weren't we we had that fire back in us oh yeah you just you just look at the goal and it was just what you if you said counter attack that goal was what you define it as it was absolutely fantastic I remember I couldn't go to that game I was I was working at the time I was uh, working in a pub I remember watching the game in there and don't you have to be over 18 to work in a pub you're funny (laughs) So we were there, so unfortunately I couldn't go, but it was just, uh, you always had this bad thing in the back of your head, you think, oh, we're we're not the form team, you think, I think Newport had won on the final day to make it into the playoffs, so you're thinking, this is, this is, this is going to be difficult, we're going to struggle with this, and you'd have said by that first game, we thought, we've got a chance here, lads, we've got a chance, and then... It comes to the second leg, and it's just like it was the most electric atmosphere I think I've ever experienced at the one call. I think it tops um, promotion from the conference. I think it tops uh, the the Luton in the in the FA Trophy. Uh, it was just absolutely electric, and then it was just it didn't it didn't seem to click that that game. And I don't know what it was like as a player, but. As a fan, it was absolutely gut-wrenching going to penalties and then all that season's hard work just gone in an instance. Had we won that first leg, Bish, do you think we might have had that extra little bit of bounce about us in the second leg? I think perhaps because of what you said about, you know, the Oldham, um, the Stevenage, the MK Dons and the way the dressing room was getting flatter and flatter again, conceding sort of late on. Do you think had we won and sort of held out, that belief might have just stayed there for, for a little bit longer? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do, actually. I think it was it was, it was was massive. I think, I mean, they should have had a lad sent off. Um, he's dragged Tyler down through on goal with inside 20 minutes. Um, these aren't excuses. Again, these, these are valid reasons. Mm-hmm. And again, seeing Danny Cowley, he was waiting for Sky at the end of the Game walked past him. He said, "Bish, it's a clear sending off as you'll ever see." The ref completely bottled it. Shit house decision. Uh, Twenty minutes into a playoff game, he didn't want to do it. Um, but like you said, we, we, I think by that point it was sort of game don't really want to share. It was, it was shit or bust, and the lads had recovered well. And I think, like you said, we, we did play well. We, we, we matched Newport. You know, well, you know what's going to happen when you go down there. They've got to shot balls in the box from any angles, long throw-ins from the halfway line. Uh, they're going to put it on top of you. The performance probably deserved a win. Um, like I say, one all coming away, we, we were still pretty confident. Um, obviously, I had an injury. I tweaked my calf, um, which I couldn't walk on the day after. Uh, but I didn't want to. I didn't, didn't want to pull out. So we, we gone through set players and that. So I remember walking out and just watching them. So I'd be hopefully be there. Um, and then the, the morning of the game, I just I thought I, I took that many painkillers I'd hardly slept the night before I was sweating you know when you take too much painkillers and t- I was obviously overdosed I was sweating I was shaking and I got up and my calf was just I couldn't even walk so I, I, I phoned the gaffer up and said look I'm, as much as I was going to meant to come in for a fitness test I said I can't I, I, I just I know I said I was. I said, can they inject it is there any way and said they'll, know, they'll not do it so obviously I had to miss out I knew he was going to bring Willem in um, so I've rang Willem. I've just said, "Look, mate, I'm, I'm, I'm gone. You know, you're in there. You, you, you'll be, you'll be man of the match tonight. Just, just try to like build him up and, and give him a load of comments and say, you go be top man tonight. You'll be playing at Wembley within two weeks.' Uh, and like I say, for and 
you know, I, re- I remember I come out the tunnel early. I've been in with the lads in the dressing room. Come out, um, seen the crowd in. I remember obviously I got I got a round of applause. I was coming to the dugout, and I thought, crazy. It's up for it tonight, you know. It's set up for us. This the atmosphere was absolutely. I remember, I remember thinking it's electric, and this was like ten minutes before kickoff. It was bouncing. I was, I get absolutely destroyed. I couldn't be involved, um, and we probably could have been four 0 down by half time. I mean, they, they had chance after chance, and you're on the bench there, and you probably. I'm thinking this this could just be our night. You know, they've missed that many chances. How many more are we going to get? And I remember walking down the touchline, and the gaffers went, "Bish, look, go in there before me." And give him a right fucking bollocking because that's a disgrace. He said, I'll give you two minutes. He said, go on down there. He said, let the lads get out of the system. I'll come in. So I've walked in there and said, fucking hell. Christ, lads, that's fucking horrendous. Like, this is it. This is our season tonight. Like, this is our, this is it. This is it. There's no more second chances. There's no more hold them after Stephen or however it was. There's no more Don's after this. This is it. And the gaffers come in and I think we got a bit of a response. And then I just remember Rosie's chance at the end of extra time. He took the land on the line, or the keeper saved it. It's, it's actually heartbreaking going through it. It is. It, it is. It's absolutely. It's horrendous. And then penalties. You still think, yeah, this this is. You look at the at the, at the balance of the game. You think we might we've got this. And the one that missed Siler, um Obviously, they didn't. And I just remember the again. Just never felt like it was like an out of body experience when the final whistle blew, or the, sorry, the final penalty went in. I just, I just couldn't believe it. It was like it was like numbing and all, all the way in the car on the way back home. You sort of just, I don't know, in disbelief. Like I see, you, I think sometimes maybe you can want things too much, and maybe that maybe that affected us as a group. Um, and it, like I said, it's, it's hard to go back on. Actually, really, really hard to to relive. Yeah, I mean, we I watched the highlights a couple of days ago, and that was uh, hard to, to rewatch. To be fair, and uh, what happened in the forty-eight hours or so afterwards, that was about just as crazy. We'll come on to that in a second, but you know, we've we've been down such a sort of. Uh, a heart-wrenching sort of road at the minute. I wanted to just bring some light into the situation. You know, you say, obviously, you're quite close with Willem Tomlinson and things like that. I've got a big question for you, Bish. Do you watch Police Interceptors? Yeah, I've seen the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ring him after you saw it? And go, what is going off here? Yeah, you dickhead, mate. What are you? What on earth are you doing? Um, look, I, think, I know how he gets portrayed, Willem. He's... I mean, he's an idiot. He's he's, he's daft as a brush, but on a personal level, he's a great lad. You know, he's obviously got one or two issues, which I hope he resolves. Um, but as a lad, I liked him. Um, when he first came in, he done really, really well. Um, he's been referred to as Mini Bish for a while. He right. was, yeah, when he first yeah. came in, yeah. Who, who gave him that? Was it was it Flickcroft that sort of labelled him as yeah. Mini Bish? Yeah. yeah, although he looks older than me. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's a shame he never worked out because I think he had some potential, and I think I think Flickcroft was ideal for him because I think he was he was at him. He's that type of personality. He's at you all the time, and I think I think he needs that. He needs he needs someone's someone's shoe on his throat all the time, making sure he, he stays on the rails and, and doesn't do anything. But you know, hopefully, he's, I know he's at Charlie now. Hopefully, he'll go on over a career because he's he's certainly got some ability. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was a shame to sort of see him go when he did sort of the start of the season, but obviously, all the off-pitch stuff. It does play a part, and hopefully, does like you say, get back on the on the right track, and uh, and doesn't get played that uh, that clip from Police Interceptors too often. Although it was very funny seeing it pop up, you're thinking, I know that. I'm, I'm thinking, I recognise that Pete's place. That's behind, but that's Willem Tomlinson. 
<laughs> madness, absolute madness. Uh, let's go back to, uh, to 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 that particular time then. Uh, it's, I don't even think it's 48 hours. I remember we obviously we've followed the journey a long time. We do a podcast at the moment with it being sort of you know lockdown. We do one every single match day, so we do a little bit before the game, then we do a cool down after the game, reflect on it. But at the time we just sort of did one weekly, and we always do an end of the season one. Uh, Nathan has got a hot tub at his house, and obviously being at that sort of uh, time of year, we always try and end the season at Nathan's just to go in the hot tub because me and Cam are poor. Um, but uh, we were sort of thinking, oh, it'd be a nice, easy, relaxed one. Yeah, we'll have a bit of a, a rant. A little little bit of a, a moan about how the season's gone then we'll have a nice night you know to celebrate the season and what have you uh, and then all of a sudden the news comes through about two minutes before we're due to, to start Flickcroft sack Dempster in where were you when that happened um I sort of knew it was going to happen look I know the chairman had rang the chief and then he rang me I was, I was in my garden I was in my garden about 10 in the morning probably the day after uh, I'm not gonna lie I had a beer in my hand it, the sun was out I was absolutely devastated. I took my little boy to school. I still couldn't believe it. I, I, my calf, I, I was pissed off because I had not been able to play, not been able to help the boys out the, the, in the thing. I thought, sod this, so I've gone back and got myself a couple of beers just to just to try and mellow out because like anyone that knows me, I'm, a, I'm the, I am the world's worst loser. I suppose going forward, coaching and that, I am going to have to, I am going to, have to modify that or try and simmer down a little bit because I, I'm just, losing is just... No, he just turns me into a different person. But anyway, I, uh, I got a, a call. I'm not going to go too much into, into personal calls and stuff, but it was the chairman. So I thought, oh, right, I better answer this. And it was on FaceTime, so I thought, Christ, I'll put me, I'll hide my beer. Hide <laughs> the beers, boys, yeah. <laughs> under the and get a cup of tea or whatever. He's answered, he just obviously basically, uh, what did they just ask him a couple of questions in the season and told me what he was going to do. Not, not about John Dempster, but about the manager. Um, and I think it was just a courtesy call, obviously, because he said, obviously, the manager's quite close to a few of the lads. So if you speak to him and that, you speak to him, just tell him, you know, we'll get it sorted and we'll do well. And it was basically, like I said, I don't want to go too much into these personal calls. So I'd, I'd got the ends up. Um, a little bit surprised, maybe, maybe not. Um, obviously, the chairman, telling his tone of voice, was, was devastated, as, as anyone would be. Um, obviously, from him, the, the expectation, the, the amount of money he, he's he budgeted in the club, everything. He, he was still he was still raw for him. You could tell that. You could tell. Um, very raw, very upset, very angry. Um, told me what he was doing. Basically, like I said, said keep an eye on the lads. Um, we'll, we'll get there. And that, and that was basically it. Did you fancy it? Did you fancy going into maybe a player-manager role? <laughs> Absolutely not. No, certainly not. Um, I still don't know if I want to be a manager now when I see some of the stuff that goes on. But not at that point, no, no, I was still. It was in my mind. I had a year left on my contract, and we were going to put the wrongs right of, of, of the of the previous season. We were going to we were going to uh, right them wrongs. Yeah, and obviously John Dempster then in charge. How much did you know about him? Obviously, for us, there's a it's the same with Adam Murray as well. Like you know, when players have spells as a player, then as a manager, there's. A certain generation who only remembers one thing like they'll only there'll be a certain generation of fans who only remember John Dempster as a manager there'll be some that remember him as a, a player and a manager and, and just look at those individuals so as us 
as fans, as a player, he was fantastic for us. Similar to yourself, you know, he'd, he'd skipped the club on a few occasions, you know, as the older statesman in the dressing room, really key in our promotion season. Then he'd gone into the academy and brought some, through some really good young prospects at a time where the academy didn't exist and helped Richard Cooper, etc., build that up. Um, we always expected him to be given a shot as manager at, at sometime. We always thought it had come... Um, when Steve Evans left, we had 12 games left then and for anyone who came in it was basically a no no lose situation so we expected it to be then. When he was announced to replace Flickcroft after we had the season we were, we were a little bit like it's great that he's got his chance uh, but also we would have liked to see Flickcroft maybe get till Christmas to see if we could have got over the line but um, obviously that didn't happen. He was younger than you, John Dempster. He was a couple of years younger. How is it as an older player working with a, a new rookie manager who's a couple of years younger than yourself? Is it difficult to adapt to or does that not enter the thought process? Yeah, it was. It, it didn't really... I didn't know it was to be honest. I didn't know that. <laughs> Two years younger, Actually, yeah. Uh, like I say, it, it never entered my mind. Um, I think, obviously, it was put on his toes. About, well, I know he didn't expect it. Obviously, at the end of the season, you're going... Same as every season, however it ends, everyone's got the individual meetings and you expected that to be with David Flickcroft. And like I say, without saying names, obviously discussions with him towards the end of the season, he, he'd already got his recruitment strategy in place. You know, you know, uh, and then the agents ring you because obviously you've been around the uh, base. What's it like down there? Because there's a day you go, we're going to, he's just, if you go up, um, he's coming in, this lad's coming in, and you thought, oh, you, you know, well, without wanting to depress anyone even more, I think if we'd have got the league one, I think we would have had a right call because the the, name, the, the people we had lined up waiting to come in were fantastic and they would have kicked us on. Um, obviously, that all goes out the window, and I remember going in to see to see John, not, not only seeing him around the ground, you know, obviously, you see him, well, twice a week and it's just to say oh, yeah you're all right you always seemed like i didn't know anything about him as a player only what i've been told um and i don't think he expected the job because obviously you go in the meeting uh, sat and have a quick chat with him he said obviously i want you to watch you this season i want you to be part of my plans next season and then he, he basically obviously he was he was a bit taken aback he didn't expect it like he said but he said well i'm going to take it hopefully take advantage of it i've been given this opportunity he didn't have an idea i think this again he was on the back foot really he didn't have an idea about recruitment who he wanted to bring in which i suppose you wouldn't you know there's no criticism there it's just it's just a fact and i don't think he'd been um you know he, he wasn't looked at he was more more in the academy at that point maybe first team players and what who was good and who's had good seasons at other clubs around the mansfield maybe he didn't have that knowledge maybe that's where you know, the, the infrastructure, the staff, there was no head of recruitment, he'd gone as well. Maybe that wasn't there and, and, and these things played against him a little bit. Yeah, I think we felt that a little bit, Cam, as well, didn't we? Because we said we said at the time, without wanting to be disrespectful, because we'll always thank John for what he did as a player. And when you actually look at the comparison between Dempster and then Coughlin, actually Dempster was probably the better manager in the end. Um, but, you know, we would like to see him have another shot at, at some point. But like I was saying, Cam, at the time, without being disrespectful, we did say that it felt a little bit like, you know, a nursery teacher or a primary school teacher going in to try and teach, you know, last year's sixth form. Yeah, I, I think that was uh, clear to see. And I think it was absolutely evident. Uh, Newport away, first game. Who else would it be other than Newport first Bloody game? Bloody had to be, didn't it? 2-0 um, down at half-time. It, it looked like, it just looked lost and I think it hadn't it have been for Lee Glover then I think that maybe we'd have probably lost that game it just seemed that as a fan that's the way it came across that Glover was running the shop 
and it was very much Jempster took credit for it. I don't know if that's how true that is, but as a fan, this is something that I think we mentioned in the past where Dempster's got the experience and he knows what he's doing, but I don't think he quite had maybe the respect to the dressing room being such an inexperienced manager. What's your take on that, Bish? Yeah, um, I think there's a touch of, touch of um, reality in that. Um, look, we, again, we went to Portugal pre-season. I didn't think pre-season was tough enough at all. Um, I think I think John coming in, again, this, this is just personal. I think um, a great bloke, really, really nice bloke, top, top man, decent man. Um, I just think he wanted to come in and, and get the players on side, get the squad on side, not by being be firm and and aggressive and, and in the face he wanted to be softly softly you know wanted to be more matey than a manager where I believe that group I, I believe that's where Flickoff got it right the majority of that group did need people on them all the time on the time come on you, need to, you know in the faces that style of management and everyone was different it might have worked with a different group but in that group I felt that the group needed to be kept on the toes all the time we went to Portugal there was a few little discipline issues with, with one or two um, and then you're looking at the manager to see what he's going to do and basically did nothing and you know for someone like me I've just felt oh you know hang on a minute you know you know when you, there's chances for people to come in and make a real statement and say right, we're not tolerating that this is this is this is like a line in the sand anyone that you're out it, it just didn't happen and then little things and then I think like I say the, the nature of some of the group I think they took advantage of that and it was just for me. It wasn't professional enough. It wasn't it, 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 training wasn't hard enough. Um, again, these these are just my personal feelings. I didn't feel like we were in, in any stage of that season going in the right direction to have a to have a shot of doing what we should have done the season before. Um, for what and there was, like I said, multiple multiple reasons. But there are things where you think a manager can make his mark, and it, it, it just didn't happen. And I, you know when. Obviously, there's, there's me. I'm not certainly not the greatest footballer ever, but I always my own philosophy was right. If I do everything right, Jim, do this, do the extras, do that. It gives me the best shot of doing of being performing well on the pitch. Sometimes it works, sometimes it didn't. I didn't see that with with, with I didn't see the manager was you know really backing that up with with the way he was handling the group. Um, so I, I admit I, I did. I lost a bit of heart, and the, and the longer it goes on, the more you see people maybe not doing what they should be doing, but then still playing on a Saturday and still that. You know, the, 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 there's lads in that group, great lads, great professionals, lads still like you know, the likes of Ryan Sweeney, like the days off, we'd all be in the gym and, and extras, and and. But I just think the majority of the group just thought they could get away with a lot more than they could under Flickcroft and certainly took yeah. advantage of it. Yeah, and you mentioned that there. I, would, I don't want to spend too much time sort of dwelling on it a little bit, but John Dempster did have uh, off-the-pitch issues to deal with. Dion Donoghue and Jacob Mellis were involved with uh, an alleged off-pitch uh, incident. How much does that sort of uh, that side of the game sort of weigh on a, a manager's shoulder? Especially, you know, you mentioned it yourself, a rookie manager who's perhaps not had the tightest of, of stance in terms of, you know, being on it, being on at somebody as a manager in his early days. How much do you think that will have uh, will have affected things as well? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm, I'm certainly not making excuses for them till they're grown adults and, and make the decisions. And that was a ridiculous decision to be going out on what, a Thursday night when at least one of them 
was going to be, I think Mellis was injured or suspended, but certainly Dion was going to be playing the Saturday with Carla. But I just think a sequence of events that had started pre-season, lapses in, in discipline all over the place, it, it was it was sort of, not inevitable, but it was, it was building up to something like this. You know, stuff had gone on, stuff which I thought, not sackable offences, but hang on, you get yourself on the transfer list and get out of this club because you're not offering anything. And I think that makes a massive statement to the whole group. Stuff like that had, had been had slided already. And like I say, that was just a culmination of everything. Um, like I say, there's no excuse for them to, you know, they, they, they shouldn't have done what they did. And they probably, not, well, they do know that now. But I just think the way it was going, it was, not, like you said, not inevitable, but something like that was, was, was coming. And to be honest, Nath, you know, hearing that, it doesn't come as much surprise, does it? No, it doesn't. Um, I think it was one of the things we, we said on that very podcast when the decision, you know, the decision was made, uh, you know, and, and Dempster taken over. One of the things we said was because of his stance at the club, what he's done so far, obviously we really, really wanted him to, to go in and do well for him personally. Obviously for the club as a whole, we want us to push on and, and go for promotion. The expectation levels were there. But that one question, you know, when people are going to analyse the situation, you've got... Um, people can be positive if they want, but they're always going to have that question mark. Is he ready? You know, is he going to be ready to step in without any experience managing at that level at that point? And obviously, everyone was crossing their fingers and saying, "Let's hope he can." But there was that doubt there, and you know, it, it did seem obvious to us, uh, or it did seem likely to us that unfortunately that wasn't panning out how we would have hoped. And I think the the fact that we didn't, you know, we we kind of hummed and hard whether we should change a lot of the players in the summer and things like that. And because we had such a good season before, I think a lot of us said, let's not, let's try and just build on it with one or two additions. But then you obviously look at the other aspect and they're different managers, different managing styles, different personalities. And actually that it probably worked against us. And the fact that we didn't change for his type of players, his personalities in the, in the dressing room. And that's probably, you know, make his job harder. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if my uh, camera might have just cut out there. Apologies if it did. Um, I think I'm all right though now. Um, I can still see you guys, so that's fine. Um, Bish, on that, you know, let's have a little bit of a, a light-hearted one uh, for, for just a second. And that is, uh, you know, we brought in Andy Cook and Nicky Maynard in the summer. Nicky Maynard's signing video, what did you make of that? Yeah, yeah, it was a funny one, yeah. He, he certainly got plenty of abuse for it. Uh, obviously, the lads had come up to Portugal. Uh, the lads knew were coming, but yeah, I've never seen anything like that. Um, Whose idea was that? Do you do you know? Was it was it Steve O's idea? And he had a few. But... Um, I'll say that. But no, it was it was interesting. <laughs> in, a, in a weird way, it got it, it got the desired effect. It did. It got, not that many views and likes and shares and that. It certainly got out there. Um, I do just like a touch on that. I, I agree exactly what we've just been said there. I think the recruitment there. I think. I think the disappointment of the season before I came, the disappointment of that season, a lot of that group had suffered two disappointments, you know, two big disappointments. We're missing out on the playoffs and missing out on promotion. I think in the eye, I think I remember saying at the time, it needed needed a, a bigger turnaround of players. I think you've got a lot of players there who'd, who'd ultimately not achieved the target in two seasons. Um, and again, we talked about the type of squad and the personality of the squad. I thought we needed three or four Leaders, men who've been there to, to add to it to sort of help steer the group. You know, if you've only got one or two in there, it is hard. If you've got your core group who were who were experienced, who were leaders, who were big personalities, I think they can help drive the group. And I, I don't think we got that that, 
that that summer anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Let's uh, fast forward though, because you know results didn't quite go John Dempster's way as expected, and I think a lot of what we've we've spoken about over the last five minutes or so were had a massive contributing factor to that. Inevitably. You know, it did cost him his, his job. Um, there was rumours sort of the week before the crew game that he might go. I think he had the, the dreaded vote of confidence uh, from the chairman. Um, he had the crew game. We, Ironically, we quite improved in that crew game. I think Maynard could have had uh, about six that game. We ended up drawing, though, and then very shortly after um, he goes, was there another phone call, a FaceTime from, from the chairman this time around, or, or was this one a little bit more out of the blue? No, it was, it was it was sort of out of the blue at the timing for it because, like you said, we played really well against the crew team who were who were, who were flying. Um, should have won, should have won comfortably with the chances we created. Um, and we were going to have a Christmas do straight after. Funny enough, maybe we going straight after. Um, got a call on the way home. Wow, I just I didn't want to go. I didn't go to the Christmas do. I wanted to return again. Probably a sign of. Um, not the unity in the squads, uh, but anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll go past that. And then got a phone call off Jammer, just saying, "Look, I've had a spot the chairman. Dems is going. Um, I'm going. I'll be there tra- taking training on Monday. Although he, he, he thought he had someone lined up, he goes, I probably won't be in charge for the following game, but um, I'll be taking training Monday until the next new manager comes in." Graham Coughlin then uh, comes in. Was that a surprise choice for you? Because I think certainly at the time for us, it was. Um, I remember thinking, you know, we've gone from an experienced manager, an experienced couple of managers in Steve Evans, in, in David Flickcroft, who have you know got good CVs. Then we've gone to John Dempster, who you know from the outside wasn't experienced. Um, and then we we appoint Graham Coughlin. Yes, he had a bit more of a, a coaching career than uh, than what John Dempster did. I think he had a couple of uh, assistant posts, most notably at South End. Um, but his only first real manager's job was at Bristol Rovers. They were doing relatively well in uh, League One, but uh, it still, it still towards from the outside, sort of came as a bit of a surprise appointment. Yeah, um, obviously he was a very, very rookie manager. I think he was on, he was on a great run at Bristol Rovers, which obviously helps sway the decision from the chairman and, and the directors. Uh, I think he, he just beat Ipswich or got them, got them in and around the playoff area. Um, but yeah, it was, it was certainly one that, that I didn't see coming. Obviously, you, you hear a lot of names thrown around, but he was through the door fairly quickly, actually. What did the players uh, make of working under Graham Cochran? Because especially going into January, you know, there were a lot of ins and outs. There were, you know, missed um, signings which didn't quite come off. A lot of the players we brought in the summer said they should have come in in January, but it didn't quite happen. What was that like to be in and around that? Because, you know, it, it seemed like a, a, a very difficult dressing room to be around from the outside. Yeah, I think I think obviously when he initially come in, I think he knew, you know, he'd heard stories or been told about certain disciplines and maybe things were a bit, you know, just basic stuff as timekeeping had just gone out the window completely. Um, with, with certain people, you know, it's basics. Um, so anyway, I've got to skip over that, getting frustrated again. Um, so he's come in and obviously he was very, very disciplined, orientated from the from the start. I think obviously he knew, he knew he had to be. Um, we were in the gym. That's, that's called like Fat Club. But I think there was only like CJ wasn't in it. It was it was Fat Club for basically the whole squad. Tuesday and Thursday mornings, boxing, used to be a circuit in the gym before training. I actually enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. You know, really good. I felt better for doing it. Um, and when he first came in, I remember chatting. I thought, yeah, he's he's, he's got his, his 
first meeting he come in, he, he got the stats from crew, the running stats. Some of them were, weren't good enough for, for his what he wanted. So he fingered out people. And that was the first time we met him. There was no, oh, I am so-and-so, so-and-so. He was just straight into a meeting upstairs. That's not good enough. You're not running enough. You're not fit enough. And that, and that was his first meeting, basically bollocking, bollocking the group. How do the lads react? How do the lads react to that? Obviously, you know, you you've been around. You, you're an experienced mm. player. You you probably you would understand where he's coming from. But there might have been a few younger heads in that group who you know might have just looked at him and gone, "Mate, I'm not I'm not going to take that. I'll just go and I'll, I'll just go somewhere else. I'm not, I'm not that bothered." How did the lads respond uh, to that first uh, that first way? Because you've gone from you know the being on you from David Flickcroft, you've been the standoff approach from John Dempster, then you've gone to this. Tyrade Bollocking, as you called it, from uh, from Graham Cochran. How did the lads respond to that in that group? Yeah, obviously, when you when you go downstairs after the meeting, you get ready for training. You just think, Christ, like, where's that? <laughs> That's some first meeting. Where's that come from? Um, but like I said, I, I think I think he's maybe gone over the top because he's heard about certain things that are going on and gone on, and he's wanted to make his mark, mark from the start. Which you know, he maybe could have gone about it differently, but I think the basic principles of what he was trying to do were, were correct. You know, he wasn't going to. People who were late, basically don't bother coming in, get yourself back home. If you're going to be, we're going to fat test you, we're going to fitness test you. And if you think you just won't be considered for selection. So I, I, initially I thought, yeah, really good. This is what we need. Obviously, we did need a few, a few more bodies in it and a change, change around the personnel. And I thought, yeah, um, I thought I thought really good. Obviously, you can see a few when they're coming down from the meeting, shell shock. Like you say, the younger lads have probably not seen it before. Um, certainly, but. Uh, we're taken aback, to say the very least. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, then the season gets uh, ended early. We've obviously touched upon your retirement from the game. The choices behind that. Graham Cochran there remains in charge of Mansfield. It takes charge of the first eleven or so games of this season. Uh, doesn't win any. Were you surprised by that? We or or do you, did you perhaps think that Mansfield had get the uh, the better start uh, of the season? We were surprised to see where we were. Or yeah, I was. I mean. I- Obviously, keeping a close eye on things, I didn't. I didn't look at it as a. To be honest, I didn't look at it as a, as a championship-winning group, but I certainly didn't think it'd be eleven games before you got a win with with that team. I think it's a good group, one that, if it was organised and, and done right, you could get the best out of it. It'd be it'd be challenging for playoff places certainly. So it was it was massive surprise, and I think you know you're going to run like that, and it's and it's inevitable. You're going to lose your job, I'm afraid, in this day and age. Um, but, you know, I think, obviously, he had his style and it, it just didn't suit. He was very regimented, very structured and maybe maybe lacked a bit of personality. You know, just come from from, from my experiences, you know, the games we won, um, we beat Newport well, we beat Bradford well, you know, you'd, then you'd come in and you train. Look, for me, you, you you go on the training ground, you work out, but in the ground, the place, you can have a laugh. And I think a lot of the lads were scared to, to joke and to say stuff because... He could just fly off the switch and start, you know, just with people having a laugh around the canteen and that. And it was it was more like raining through fear, really. It felt for me, and obviously I can't speak to what happened pre-season. I speak to one of the two lads, and it was it was very much similar. Um, and look, you can have any managerial side you want, but if you don't have the lads on side and in your corner and wanting to battle and go out and, and fight and scrap for you, you know, you're going to be up against it, and ultimately it's cost him his job. Did that play a part in you stepping down for football, or, do you, or did you always know, regardless of who was in charge, where the stags were? Did you just know that at the end of that season, the boots were going to be hung up? Yeah, well, it was always in my mind, and like I say, under Dempsey, I wasn't enjoying it. I was, I was hating it. In fact, I was coming in. I was, I mean, 
I remember I'd come back from injury, um, I had some tendonitis in the Achilles, Port Vale in the, in the checker trade away, it was away and a freezing cold night and then um, a couple of lads we were in there, quarter past four meet at the hotel and I remember, I know I'm getting off on a tangent here, but it just, a couple of lads again walk in the meeting room late, not late, talking a good 45 minutes late and absolutely nothing gets said. That's ridiculous. It, that... it is ridiculous, if you can't be... For work, quarter past four, and everyone had seen, and that was me. I just walked out, walked out. I'd had enough. I was going to piss off all. And uh, Lee Glover's following me down the reception, and I've completely lost my head. I said, "This is a fucking shambles." I said, "It's an absolute shambles." This, and he said, "Yeah, but you can't do that. You can't." And he talked me down to calm down, and I think we got beat. We get beat on penalties that night, or whatever. We always get beat on penalties. <laughs> we we, yeah, we are shit at penalties. Yeah. So I knew, like I say, stuff like that, and it was in my mind. I thought, "I'm hating this." I, 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 not enjoying it. I'm struggling a bit when we get killing I'm, I'm done. Like I'm, I'm done. And then obviously Graham come in and like I said, I did enjoy it to start with. And then obviously I started finding a little bit of form like the Northampton, Newport, Bradford. Thought yeah, we, we might be onto somebody if we can get recruitment right. And then he was the one. He was coming to me going saying, "Look, I know you." Because I was honest with him when he first came in. I said, "Look, I'm, I'm, I'm probably done in the summer, so I'll give you everything I've got." But obviously. It's in my mind that I'm done, and he said, "Look, I know what you've discussed with the chairman about having a potential job here, but you know, why don't you do one more year? You can have wonders off, you can do this, you can do that when we're when we're at it." Um, and then at the end of the season, I, I was still pretty pretty set on retiring, just because I thought, you know, my body. I just I, I I was enjoying playing, but not as much as I was, and I, I knew I knew really I, I wanted to go into coaching. I've got a passion for doing it. Um, and then all of a sudden he said, oh, well, there's no contract here for you anyway, which I thought was a bit strange because he'd been talking to me for two or three months about about staying on. But like I say, it wasn't, it wasn't a big deal anyway because I knew I was quitting. If you could, uh, you know, look into a crystal ball and then see Nigel Clough come in a little bit down the line, would you be tempted to to go back and say, come on, just just give me give me another year, I'll have a go? Yeah, well, he tried to sign me a couple of times uh, the, the previous Cluffy. years. Uh, I think at Derby when he, when he was when I was at Notts County very early on, and then at Sheffield United when uh, I was a Blackpool, and it never worked out for whatever reason. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like to play for him uh, certainly. Um, you know, he comes across really well. He's obviously got Mansfield. He's turned around the fortunes down there, and I think he, you know you give him a summer to get to get bodies in who he wants. I think you'll see a different season next season, and, and hopefully the, eventually a promotion season. Yeah, absolutely. Fingers crossed that we can do that. Uh, we've got a few more little bits and bobs to sort of tie up the loose ends, a little bit of other uh, random questions uh, for you, Bish. But we're going to have a little bit of light-hearted fun now. Um, Cam and Nathan know all about this. Nath, um, this is the part of the show which, you know, we, we ask our guests 10 questions about their time at the club. It's called the It's All About You uh, quiz. What advice would you give uh, to Neil Bishop going into... Uh, you know what is bound to be an absolute belter of a quiz. Let's face it. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna add a bit of pressure onto him here because I mean a lot of the guys I've had doing this before have uh, they're reflecting on careers a long a long time ago, whereas yours a couple of years ago. Yeah. But the, the the tip is most of it, or if not all of it, would have been discussed probably already. So try and think about some of the things you've already been discussing so far. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good a good tip, Cam. You're laughing because I think you've got another tip, haven't you? Uh, yeah, uh, Craig's quizzes tend to be a bit questionable, so... Oh, right, um, no. no. I'm not having that. Just because you lose every single time, not have, I'm <laughs> no, not having me, that. It's disgraceful. One for one this season so far. Oh, there you go. Well, there you go. Uh, Bish, um, 
I'm sure you'll have faced plenty of questions and quizzes uh, in your career. You're going to face none like this, though, my friend, I'm afraid. Um, this is basically how it works. You've got 10 questions against the clock. Contestants are looking to get the most correct answers in the quickest time. If you get an answer wrong, it's plus five seconds to your total time. If you pass, it's plus 10. So it's worth a go, even if you don't know. Somebody get me that on a T-shirt. Uh, the timer will start after I've asked the first question. Cam Felton is in, char in charge of the timer. I'm on it, I'm on it, I'm on it, hang on. There we go, right. Probably should have rehearsed that. Uh, Bish, um, before we get started, I'll run through uh, the current league table. Some of these names you might have crossed paths with in your career, some you might not ha might not have. Um, so, uh, only two people have played this twice, and that is Paul Cox. We had Paul Cox, on a, our former manager, on a Legends Live night, and then we had a, a separate podcast with him. His first time around, he scored five in two minutes 24. His second time around, he scored nine in one minute 42. So, that is the current leader. Um, second to that, we've got John Delaye in uh, 9 in 1.43. Gareth Jellyman on 8 in 1.35. Mickey Bolding on 8 in 1.38. Uh, then it's Paul Connor, Richie Barker, Ian Bowling, Louis Briscoe, Martin Riley, Stuart Watkiss, Bobby Hassel and Adam Murray. Um, we're about, you know, how could you said at the start, you know, you're a quite a competitive person. So I'm guessing that you want to get 10 out of 10 on this one. Yeah, I probably won't competitive, but rubbish at quizzes, so probably doesn't uh... There you go. Where, you, where, where will you be happy with? Top three. Top three. Yeah. Top three, right. Okay, so he's aiming for top three. So to, to get top three, uh, you need at least eight in better than 135. Cam, is the stopwatch ready? Yes, it is. Remember that uh, the time starts after I've asked the first question. Neil Bishop, one question for you, and that is, are you ready uh, to play the It's All About You quiz? Ready as I'll ever be. Let's go. Bish, after joining in the summer of 2018, against which team did you make your Stags League debut? Mm -hmm. The Stags beat Accrington Stanley 6-1 in the League Cup, but how many passes were made in the build-up to CJ Hamilton netting the sixth and final goal of the night? 24. During your Stags career, you netted four goals against West Brom, Oldham and which other two clubs I need both for the point? Ooh, good question. I don't think I ever scored at home, so they'll be away. Um... I don't know. End and Cambridge. I know what's wrong. Mansfield have a terrible record with penalty shootouts. During your two seasons, how many times were the Stags beaten in a shootout? Three. Randy Wands. Randy Wands is an anagram of which of your former teammates? No idea. <laughs> uh, God, Randy Wands. I'll give you a clue. It's oh, a flower. Oh, you played under three different managers in two seasons, but who were the three assistant managers? Just one will do. League lover. The Stags were robbed of a late goal and a point to Oldham in the playoff season. Other than you, who else scored on that day? Danny Rose. No. The season was hit with long two long-term injuries the playoff season. Bobby Olesnik and who else? Ian White. Coronavirus brought an end to the Stag season last year and ultimately your playing days, but who did the Stags beat 2-1 in the final game? And finally, which of the following games saw the most Stags fans in attendance? West Brom in the Cup or MK Dons where we threw it away? MK. Stop the clock! 
dear. Cam, send me the time in a, uh, in a, in a private message, please, if you will. Uh, Nathan, how do you think he did in that one? I think he hit the post on a couple. Um, I'm going to say I'm going to guess around six or seven, potentially. Okay. Uh, Cam, how, Bish, how do you feel you did in that one? There was a couple towards the oh, end. Yeah. In, there was a couple towards the end where you were, I think you sort of, you knew the right answers, but after you sort of, after you yeah. said them. I can't remember the goal. I don't remember who scored it. Have you sent me the time, Cam? Yeah, yeah my internet's a bit naff. Okay, <laughs> right. Uh, you sent it me in the chat, yeah? The normal chat? Yeah, yeah. Wicked, right. So I'm going to do a little bit of maths, um, which will take me about four hours. Um, whilst we uh, whilst we do that, though, uh, Cam, what did you make of uh, Bisher's performance in that? Uh, not bad, not bad. Um, I suppose that it is a very much under pressure because crazy quizzes can be a bit questionable sometimes, especially yeah. with the anagrams. The anagram is tough. That's a tough one. Oh, it's our, our favourite one. one. I it's mean, I'm surprised we haven't got that on a T-shirt yet, to be honest. Yeah, that's got to go on a T-shirt at some point. But yeah, <laughs> uh, while Craig figures that out, I've just got a quick question for you, Neil. Um, obviously, at Notts County, fond memories of, of being there. And one of your high... Oh, that's my phone going off. One of your high moments So was, unprofessional. ...was scoring against Notts County and then also playing uh, against Juventus at the opening their stadium. And obviously, they're things that I'd imagine you hold in high regard as, as your time at Notts County. Uh, is there particularly a moment uh, at Mansfield where you've you've enjoyed it the most, or a, a specific game, or a specific goal that you you will always remember your time at Mansfield with? Um, you know, it's a tough question because you know normally you it's even FA Cup wins, especially for the lower league clubs, or it's winning championships and get promoted and. and didn't really have like a defining moment. Obviously, the certain games. I think the Colchester away three two. Although you know, to be massively mad by Ian's injury, that that was a big thing. Um, you know, I, I just I wouldn't say there's one defining moment. No, um, it was it was a culmination of things. And look, it could have been the Stevenage game. It could have been the Oldham game. It could have been the MK Dons game. It could have been at Wembley. It was it was very much a case of what what might have been. I think I look back on, and I mean. I don't. I hate regrets. I think you know you kind of regret it. Things are what they are. And you you learn to live with them. But certainly that first season is very much a case of what might have been. Speaking of tough questions, you've just faced ten of them. Let's run through uh, some of the answers before I give you your uh, your final score. Um, the first, I tell you that you got five correct, so halfway there. I probably did stitch you on a few of them, to be fair, so I do apologise for that. There were some <laughs> tough ones in there. Um, the first one, uh, I should have given you options for this, to be fair. Uh, Accrington Stanley, 6-1 in the cup. How many passes? Um, 26 was the, was the amount of passes. But I realised after I wrote that question that you didn't play in that game, you were on the bench. Yes, yeah, rested. Yeah. Um, the second the, after that, it was the the goals one, which threw you. You were absolutely spot on. You didn't score at home. Uh, two away. Uh, Grimsby and Morecambe were the other two. Grimsby, yes, of course, yeah. And we always remember the Grimsby one, don't we, Nate? For the interview after the game, can you remember that? Uh, I can't. You have to remind me. Uh, something around uh, there's not a team full of dickheads or something. It was and oh, then we yeah, called the episode Bishheads. It was great. great yeah, interview. it was just very fun, very <laughs> open and honest. We enjoyed that interview very much. Um, uh, the next one, uh, penalty shootouts, uh, five penalty shootout defeats. 
one in the playoffs and then four the following season. Uh, we haven't won a penalty shootout as a club, incidentally, since 2012. Um, the anagram, uh, I'll leave that till last because that's that's our favourite. Um, the other goal at Oldham, uh, you said Danny Rose. Uh, it was Tyler Walker yeah. who got that one. I think you knew that straight after, didn't you? I think you said it straight after. Yeah. Uh, the an- uh, Danny Rose, though, was the answer to Randy Wands, the best anagram in football. Yeah. Of course he was. Absolutely. It was uh, un- unreal. Uh, so I can tell you that including penalty times, you scored uh, a total of five correct answers in two minutes and six seconds, uh, which puts you second bottom, unfortunately, Bish. No, that's not good, is it? No, absolutely not. We'll have to do another one of these and we'll have to... We'll have to, we'll have to yeah, I'll have to redeem myself at some yeah, point. Yeah, we'll have to give you a chance to, 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 to redeem yourself at some point. Do no, what we do, Bish, and, and blame the quiz master. That's yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, oh dear, dear, dear. I don't, I don't know what to say to that. Uh, Bish, I'm going to f- uh, finish off with a few sort of uh, random questions now just to sort of end your time. Obviously, you know, as Cam mentioned uh, a minute or so ago, you know, you're a fan favourite at Notts County as well as Mansfield. How much did you sort of think about the the friendly rivalry, if you like, between the two clubs before before you joined? And uh, obviously, did that did that sort of change as your time went on at the Stags? Yeah, I didn't really. You know, when, when I was at Notts County, it was always because we were kicking on well to the end of it towards the top end of League One. But it was always Forest thought of then. I always thought it was Mansfield Chesterfield with the big rivalries. Um, so I never really, it never really crossed my mind, to be honest. What about, uh, obviously, you know, as, as your footballing career, as you, as you look back, you worked with three managers uh, at the Stags. If you could sort of uh, pinpoint a manager that, you know, you, you you could have another season with, which manager would you work with and, and why? Again, it's going to be with hindsight. Isn't it? You'd probably wish David Flickroft had been given the start of, of that following season to see if he could kick on and get over the line. But, yeah, that, that that's with hindsight, but definitely uh, it'd definitely be him. Yeah. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of a, a quick fire one now uh, put you on the spot a little bit these always ones come up in podcasts like this uh, of your time at Mansfield a player that you'd hate to be stuck in a lift with um, Conrad Logan why <laughs> because he'd take up most of it <laughs> <laughs> three people you definitely wouldn't invite around for dinner what of ex teammates yeah um, it can include managers as well if you want it to and, and staff obvious for obvious reasons um probably andy cook because he's an absolute animal even though i love him love him to death as a guy i wouldn't let him in my house and <laughs> Oh, I forgot Mansfield teammates. Probably Jacob Mellis. For the same reason, the guy's an absolute nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> I love them all. Uh, and I know in the in the inside the changing rooms podcast, which is a fantastic uh, insight to your career as a whole, you sort of picked your uh, your career five aside team. I'm going to get. I'm going to basically steal their feature. If you could pick a five aside team um, managed by yourself, uh, so you don't include yourself in this in the side, uh, a five aside team to compete. Uh, who would you be picking uh, in your side? Um, I'd probably go Logs in goal. Just because I think your shot stoppings was probably your strength. Um, defenders two two one. Uh, defenders probably chief. I, I go chief. Uh, I love chief as a guy. I love him as a player. He's got great feet for a big lad. On the ball. Um, top me in. I'm going off 
Mal Benin, again, great with his feet. Five aside, a couple of different, different types of players. I used to 11 aside. Midfield, Jacob Mellis, unbelievably talented. Um, George Grant, again, look what he's gone and done. I know it didn't work out for him really, that was, but he's one of the best players in the league, one at the minute. And then up front, obviously, it has to be Tyler Walker. Yeah, absolutely. And finally, uh, if you could go back and play in one game, one last time during your tenure at Stags, which game would you go and play in and which moment would you uh, would you relive over again? If it's one I could go back and it could be a different outcome, but it'd obviously be the MK Dons game. Uh, it has to be. It, it, has to, <laughs> it has to be that. Like I said, I don't believe in having regrets, but that, that, that is something I don't think I'll ever get over. Um, the West Brom goal, probably probably a great moment, you know, to, to like I say, under under the lights at, at a top championship club, the ball in the back of the net, um, just just a sensational feeling. But yeah, them are the two. Fantastic stuff. Would you say that's if you could rank sort of goals of your entire career, would that be in your top three? Yes, certainly, certainly. Um, it, it'd have meant more if it'd have, it'd have, if we'd have won the game. Obviously, it doesn't count for much if, when you get beat, but certainly as a moment and taking it as a one-off call, yeah, yeah, it was definitely up there. Uh, Nathan and Cam, uh, in case I've missed anything, it's over to you too. Cam, you've thrown in some good questions, which is a surprise. Uh, Nathan, you yeah, have thanks. as well. Anything that you want to that you want to add or throw in at Bish while you've got the chance? I off think I'm top. good. Covered yeah, off things. the top of head, yeah, covered everything that I wanted to. Um, I think just as a thank you to, to Neil for coming on, because it, it's great to obviously get players on from the past, but to, uh, whilst the dressing room obviously isn't the same now, it, it, getting a, a view into the dressing room uh, more recently is fantastic for us to to get to know the players and how things were and, and the good and the bad. But uh, as fans, these are the moments that we don't get to see a lot of the time and, and, and something like this really gives us a chance to, to actually... Um, hear all these stories and all the bust ups, all the good times, the bad times, and whatever else. Uh, so, uh, yeah, just thank you for coming on and, and giving us time to, to talk. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we uh, certainly echo those words of Cam as well. Um, Bish, what's next for you? Obviously, you, like you said at the top of the show, you're sort of involved with the, the Brooksby set up at the minute. Where do you see sort of the next couple of years for Neil Bishop? Would you have a, a, an eye on management at some point or maybe a, a coaching role, assistant role sort of within first team football? Yeah, I think eventually management is something uh, I want to go into. But look, I'm, I'm serving my apprenticeship at the minute. You can have all the badges in the world, but I think time on the grass and on the training ground, that's what you need. Um, I want to put the hours in. I'm willing to put the hours in. It's something I've not just fell into, really coaching. I've got ideas. I've got philosophies. I've got ways that I want to do things. So, yeah, I'm ambitious. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I'm really ambitious. I want to get up to first team, it's, whether that's coach assistant or whether as, as quick as possible. Because... Um, like I said, I'm, I was ambitious as a player, I'm ambitious as a coach, uh, and I want to kick on. Obviously, it's strange times we, we, we live in at the minute, but it's not going to be like this forever. Um, I've been using this time to, to just modify one or two things, get sessions down, write out ideas, but just different things, just keep myself sharp and, and ready for, for ultimately when we can get back into it, that I, I give my best... Uh, give myself the best possibility to, to kick on. Absolutely. Well, we wish you uh, all the very best, Bish. Uh, before we end today, we always uh, give uh, you one final chance to send uh, a message to Stags fans. Anything you want to say to the fans who supported you, supported you over your time at the club, this is your opportunity to, to send a message to them. Yeah, just thank you. Look, uh, the, the, the first season, uh, I think I've got about four or five Player of the Year awards, you know, voted for by supporters. 
so I'll be eternally grateful for that. Great memories. Um, a club, even spending two years there, it's very close to me. Like I said, I know the chairman. I worked there. Who knows? Maybe hopefully become manager of one day at, at certain points. But you know, I think they're in good hands at the minute. I think you know, eventually when they get back in the stadium uh, with, the, with the current management team, they'll have a they'll have a team on the pitch that they can be proud of. Fantastic stuff, Bish. Thanks very much for coming on. We uh, we wish you all the best, and uh, I'll catch up with you soon. No worries, lads. Take care. Take care, mate. Ta-da. Bye-bye. So our thanks then to uh, Neil Bishop for coming on and uh, joining us uh, in uh, in today's uh, podcast. Really did uh, enjoy that. Some fantastic uh, insights and, and stuff there, Nath. Uh, what did you make it? What did you make of that as a whole? I really enjoyed it. But what I'm uh, most pleased about is, you know what, lads. We're not actually that far off with some of the, some of the crap we talk on here. <laughs> we're not, are we? It's mad. No, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised. You know, usually we're coming here and I think, you know, are we just talking a little rubbish? You know, at the end of the day, we are fans. As obviously, that's what Manson Matters is. Uh, we're for the fans, by the fans. Uh, but it's sometimes you, you, know, you do wonder how far off you are when you think. Obviously, we're not in the dressing room. We don't, you know, we're not. You know, we we have got some contacts, but not that close to players, etc. So. Um, you, know, you do wonder how, how close we are to the mark but there's a lot of things discussed there that uh, ourselves and people that have joined us in, in comments and, 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 and so on that you know we've we've certainly hit the nail on the head with a few things so uh, it's good to have a bit of reassurance that we're not completely uh, useless at this podcasting business <laughs> Yeah absolutely Cam what did you make of that there was some some real insightful moments there particularly about the you know the tenure of John Dempster we at the time, we sort of suspected it a little bit, and to hear it confirmed from from the, the likes of Bish, I, I feel I feel even more sorry for, for John Dempster now. Yeah, I'll say he was always in for a tough job, and and just hearing it from inside the dressing room really shows how how difficult it was. He didn't really have the backing of the dressing room, and he you're just fighting a lost cause, and and you really do feel sorry for him because he had the potential to be a really good manager and we had the team to have a, a good season it just through one way or another it just didn't work but um it, it's good that um some players obviously stay, still stay loyal to the club and 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 did the best week in week out and, and like bish uh sweetens chief this that and the other and um i think that we've got to be um proud as a club that, that that former players do still hide, hold the club in in high regard whether that's a few years ago um um it's like 10 15 years ago it, it doesn't matter there's there's players out there that do do hold the club in high regard and and have nothing but really good things to say about the club neil bishop as mansfield town manager in the future nath who knows maybe one day uh hopefully we get some good years out of uh obviously nigel club first but yeah, we, we sometimes say, uh, you know, ex-players come back and you know, Adam Moore's done it, John Dempster. We all say Richie Barker might have a shot one day. But certainly, uh, you know, Bishop, if he carries on with his, uh, you know, he said he can get all his badges he wants, but it's the experience that he needs and getting out on the grass. So hopefully he can get himself a good career, whether it's with us. That'd be great. But, but wherever, I think it's good to see ex-players go on. You know, there's sometimes... Uh, retirement of our football can be tough for a lot of players because sometimes that's all they've known and you're kind of stuck for where to go for a career afterwards. But, uh, you know, he does seem like a player which kind of epitomises what he's done throughout his career. He's known what he's wanted. 
he's worked hard for it. So if he if he continues the way he has done in his playing career, then I'm sure he will go on to be a be a successful manager in the future. The views there of Nathan Edge, my thanks to him and to Cam Felton as well, and most importantly, my thanks to Neil Bishop for joining us uh, today on this fantastic episode of Stag Story. We've covered absolutely everything from promotion heartbreak to the change in managers and to his inevitable retirement, albeit a little bit before time. We wish Neil all the very best of luck in his future career. And who knows, like Nathan and Cam have both said, we may well see Neil Bishop in the Stags dugout again in the future. Thanks very much for you to listening and for watching as well. Really do appreciate your time. We will, of course, uh, be back with more Stag stories again in the future. My appetite has certainly been whetted for a few more maybe we need to delve into that season a little bit more maybe even speak to John Dempster to get his thoughts on his tenure as manager as well who knows uh, if you are an ex-player or anything listening to this feel free to get in touch and of course uh, if you are a fan and have enjoyed this episode and haven't heard about us before we are of course um, the Mansfield Matters podcast the show for the fans by the fans because Mansfield matters. We're on every single match day on our Facebook page until football fans are allowed back in stadiums. So come and join us. Search for us on social media and get involved with the content. All that's left for me to say again is uh, my thanks once more to Neil Bishop for being so open, so honest, and let's face it, so, so insightful on a couple of seasons that were an absolutely roller coaster ride to watch as a supporter join us again next time for more stag stories you can check out more on our website at mtfcmatters.co.uk this is the show for the fans by the fans this is the mansfield matters podcast goodbye The views expressed in this broadcast are solely those of the individual. For more Mansfield Matters content, check out www.mcfcmatters.co.uk. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.